Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. It has been, it's been busy. It has been a busy time. The month of October is always busy. November is going to be busy as well, but typically not as busy as October, but we are moving forward. And uh, if you missed it earlier this week, I put up my Elite V2 controller. That review is now live on the YouTube and up on therat.com. And so you can go check all that stuff out. We also have Ignite, Microsoft's largest IT pro conference of the year. About 40,000-ish people, I believe, are headed down to Orlando, Florida. And there's going to be a lot of announcements coming out. Um, Office 365, I'm sure they're, they're going to be talking up Teams, SharePoint, OneDrive, Windows, all sorts of good stuff should be coming out of that. So keep your eyes and ears open. But I do expect that maybe the next week ahead, at least news on that site might be a little dry as Microsoft holds a bunch of that content back ahead of that venue. Uh, which I will be there, by the way. I get in Sunday out Thursday, so uh, that week will be a little bit different. But we still have the traditional normal week still coming. Um, other things happening, iFixit, which is known for breaking down laptops and phones and, and sort of everything and telling you how to fix it, has dramatically improved the repairability score of the Surface Laptop. Now, the Surface Laptop 3, which just shipped, and I also have that review up on the channel and on throughout.com, you know, it, it's, it's a good laptop. Um, but here's, well, actually the review of that isn't live yet. I, I need to finish that up. I take that back. The review is not live. The initial impressions, if you will. Anyways, Surface Laptop 3. The repairability score got a 5 out of 10. Now, that sounds like not so great, but the Surface Repairability, or the iFixit repairability score for the Surface Laptop 1 and 2 was 0. Zero because Microsoft glued the Alcantara fabric to the deck lid and it was just impossible to take apart. And actually with... Uh, the guide from iFixit and Microsoft doesn't necessarily want you to do this, but it's actually pretty easy to take out the solid state drive of the device. Now, why might you do that? Typically, we don't run into solid state drive failures as often as we did the old mechanical drive, but in the enterprise world where you're disc discarding a laptop, refurbishing it or whatever, you, you want to take that thing out and destroy it. And it is now significantly easier. Microsoft made it so you can take four screws out and then uh, I believe it's using magnets actually to hold that deck lid down firmly in place and then so you can just kind of pop it off after you take the screws out, if you will. And then you can get access to that stuff. You do have to kind of mess around with some little bit of heat shielding. But compared to previous generation stuff, uh, the Surface Laptop is significantly more uh, serviceable, which is always a good thing. That is a good thing. And they didn't really sacrifice on design either. Like if you didn't know that stuff, you would say, hey, it looks exactly the same, which is a hallmark of uh, good quality craftsmanship. Uh, if you will. Microsoft also acquired Mover this week. Mover helps you, well, move stuff. If you're using a cloud service like Google, uh, Google Drive, Dropbox, uh, Box Storage, or any of those sort of online cloud storages that are not Office 365 or Microsoft 365, as they like to call it now, uh, related, this service can help you move, as the name implies, over to Microsoft's platform. So, most of us probably don't need that, um, but for those of you who do tinker around in that enterprise content, that, that should help you. Microsoft's actually going to roll this into natively into some of their tooling and should make those uh, migrations just a little bit easier. Now, Microsoft dropped their earnings this week, which is well the time of the year that we can get a little bit of insight into the company. And so for the, the quarter ending, uh, let's see, it would have been, what, July, August, and September for that quarter, which is uh, Q two of the calendar year is that right no q3 of the calendar year we're now into q4 so for q4 q gosh i'm really butchering this one up q3 calendar year which is microsoft's 
FY1, fiscal year. So Microsoft's fiscal year starts July, August, September. July 1 is the start of the new fiscal year. So it's fiscal year uh, calendar, fiscal year quarter one, calendar year quarter three. That is a mouthful. I don't know why I stumbled over that. Anyway, so for July, August, and September, Microsoft brought in $33.1 billion in revenue. That is a healthy chunk of change with a net income of $10.7 billion. If you're not familiar with financial terms, net income is how much money is left in the bank after you pay all your bills. That is actually the money that they can now go spend, invest, or do whatever. Couple notable highlights. Office 365 has now surpassed 200 million commercial subscribers. That is a gargantuan number anyway you slice it. And on the consumer side, they have passed 36 million Office 365 subscribers. That is quite, quite, quite a lot uh, when you combine those two numbers. Surface revenue was a bit lower, um, 1.13 billion. Now that is down because Microsoft really didn't release anything. It was compared to uh, year over year, it was much lower, mostly because in the the prior year, uh, the Surface Go was released. Microsoft did not ever do anything to the Surface Go over the summer. And so it's just older hardware still selling through at about 1.13 billion ish. Now on the gaming side, revenue was down 7%, primarily due to lower console sales. That's not all that surprising. And then if you remember, Microsoft wants us to pay attention to a new metric, a new metric for gaming stuff. And it's revenue based off of content and services, not so much hardware sales. And that revenue was actually flat. So it wasn't really any different from the previous year. Um, yeah. So their content and services revenue is remaining flat, which it's an interesting thought. You would think it would go up with Game Pass, but then Game Pass isn't really charging a whole lot of money. Um, so we will see. Anyways, um, there you go. Overall, though, gaming revenue for a, just to kind of give you a bigger picture of the pie, if you will, came in at $2.5 That is how much gaming revenue is worth to Microsoft that they bring in. So $2.5 billion, not insignificant, not insignificant at all. And we're going to talk about gaming here in a second because Microsoft made some big news this week in the gaming world. Microsoft has been investing heavily into Mixer. Uh, while they did cut some ties earlier this year, which is probably freeing up cash flow and some um, overhead, but they got by getting rid of original content programming, meaning not streaming, but like the shows and other things they're trying to do to attract attention to the platform. They've now just dumped all that money into personalities. First, they signed up Ninja earlier this year and Microsoft announced this week, actually just yesterday that they have not, uh, uh, they have signed Shroud. Shroud is now going to be joining uh, Ninja on Mixer. Actually, he's already joined. And so if you're not familiar with Shroud, um, somebody summed it up perfectly to describe his personality or his gaming style. He is a human aimbot. This, this individual has remarkable skill in first person shooters and has grown a massive following. He was actually a professional CSGO player for a while. And then while that helped him climb that kind of fame ladder, I think he really became like his popularity exploded during the, the highlight, highlight or the high times of PUBG. Um, he just is very, very skilled at first person shooters. And he's been playing Apex a lot. He plays Fortnite, but anyways, he had about 7 million followers on Twitch and now is streaming exclusively on Microsoft's Mixer platform. This is Microsoft making investments and they're not giving up on Mixer. It is interesting to watch how they are shifting their strategy here. And they are going head to head with Twitch by throwing a lot of money. We don't know the, the terms of the financial deals for these things, but this is clearly Microsoft's big, bold push to make Mixer a thing 
prior to Ninja and Shroud jumping over there, um, Mixter was just sort of like waffling and not really doing much. But now, now they're showing some mojo and some energy behind it. Microsoft needs to do some things. I think it, I don't believe currently it has an Apple TV app. They need to make it available everywhere uh, so that people can just, you know, consume that content. But by bringing on Shroud and Ninja, it makes you wonder if they're going to be bringing on any other large personalities, right? You know, you can think about Doc. There's a couple other people. Although I don't know if Doc would um, make it because Shroud and Ninja, for the most part, I know nobody's perfect, have more kind of just neutral personalities. Like, right, they're, they're not offending people. They don't have like a, a checkered past that is going to come back and haunt Microsoft. They don't have to worry about an image issue, if you will, with those two streamers, at least not yet. Uh, so you've got that going on, but I think this is good, right? This is showing Microsoft taking initiative, trying to make something happen. They're trying to take on Twitch and they don't want to let this opportunity fall aside. I think, um, myself included sees that, Hey, esports aren't going away. This wasn't some sort of flash in the pan and that this market will eventually kind of shrivel up. Uh, I, I truly think that esports will become a more mainstream thing as we're going forward. And Microsoft knows that. And so they're playing for the long haul here. They are trying to make this a viable long-term sustainable service. So by attracting these personalities, is it going to work? The one thing I don't know, which I would love to know. So obviously they signed Ninja, right? And then a few months, I think that was back roughly around like August, sometime like that. Obviously some time passed and either there, there's two things that happen here. Either Microsoft saw that this is like, Hey, this is actually really helping us. Maybe we should do this more. And then they went out and got shroud or they were working with Ninja. And while that was going on, they were in negotiations with shroud and that this is all sort of that initial package of let's get some personality on and let's see how it's going up. My, it seems more like that they got Ninja on board and said, hey, this is working out. Then they went and got Shroud. While I, I do think that there are some uh, negotiations that occur, it doesn't seem like it's maybe one of those things that takes months or years by any means, that this is just one person or their company typically they're, they're representing um, and, and getting them on. So if it's, if it's the latter case that Microsoft is seeing strong success from this and a good ROI, this could be the start of Microsoft really dumping money out there. The question is, is are other streaming services going to start doing the same? We'll find out. But right now, Microsoft has grabbed two of the larger person, well, at least the largest, which was Shroud, or Ninja, and then Shroud was way up there as well. So, I don't know. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, right? Competition in the streaming marketplace is better for the end user, and Twitch has its own platform, which is owned by Amazon. Don't, do not forget that. And Twitch has had some controversy, if you will. They've got some odd moderation practices, um, or inconsistent, I should say, at best. And so we'll see, right? It's good to have Mixer and Twitch hopefully going head-to-head -head and, and being equals. And that way, the end user wins, not any particular company. Uh, other things happening in the gaming world this week. There's a new design for Xbox, um, like, clip thing. I, I should have brought mine down. Um, it's not that exact one. So I have access to xCloud and hopefully that video and review should be going up next week. What I've been doing is I have low-end hardware, a Nexus 6P, and then I have higher-end hardware, which is a phone that Paul sent me, which is a OnePlus 6T, which, which again, I know is not the highest-end hardware, but there's it's representative, I think, of what the majority of people who might play xCloud have. It's not the super high-end, but it, it's got a high enough chip, and you'll, I'll explain why. But uh, it, when I get that review done, but I've been playing with both, trying to get an understanding, like, is there really a hardware limitation or is it truly just internet connectivity and Bluetooth, but all that good stuff. But what I'm trying to say here is that there's a new uh, Xbox of officially certified gaming clip that goes onto the controller that can hold your phone. And it's, it's neat. It's 15 bucks. 
um, and you can go search the Googles or the Bings and, and find that. But Microsoft is not uh, shying away from certifying or, or linking up with third-party companies to create better clips that go onto the Xbox controller. The one I found, I think, was nine bucks on Amazon. Works perfectly fine. I don't think you need to go kind of crazy with this stuff, but if you want to, you can uh, you can do that if you will. You know, that's up to you. That's your prerogative. So, a bunch of questions this week. Going to refresh the thread, which always goes up onto therot.com before uh, usually on Thursdays, give or take sometime around then, and then uh, that that's where I read them. It's this BTR producer says, Brad, with the Surface Pro Seven now available, would you recommend that business customers purchase a Surface Dock? Or is there a USB Type-C option you would recommend uh, people to look at instead? If the aim here is to run multiple displays and offer additional USB ports, thanks. So here's the one difference. I believe with this generation Surface Book or Surface Book, Surface Laptop, the USB Type-C can now actually run two 4K monitors at 60 hertz. Previously, you could only run one 4K. Knowing that, knowing that I would probably look at a USB Type-C dock rather than the Surface dock. That is a, a, a it's it's hard to like qualify this, um, knowing what everyone's, like, are you trying to run two monitors? Then definitely go the USB Type-C route. If you're just looking for port expansion, honestly, I'd probably still go to USB Type-C. All these problems will be solved if this thing had Thunderbolt, which it doesn't have. So you're gonna make some trade-offs. The Surface Dock is not cheap. That is the big downside to it. And uh, Microsoft didn't re refresh it for this iteration, at least not to my understanding. I, I did look at it before this, um, before this podcast. So I don't think it's been refreshed. I think it's the exact same thing. If you have one of those, well, then I would just use that. But I would go and take a look at the USB Type-C docks first, because I think if all you need is one monitor and a couple additional USB ports, I think that the USB-C port in the laptop will be enough or the Pro should be enough, but double check before you before you do all that. Uh, Pogathar says, will there be insider builds of Windows 10X that can be run on VMware? Is Windows 10X being made with ARM in mind? I don't know if there's gonna be insider builds. So Windows 10X is the new version of Windows that was announced earlier this year, um, but it's not available yet. And it probably won't be available until later, maybe about a year from now, give or take, something like that. I don't know if there's gonna be insider builds. Um, are they working on it to run on ARM? Yes, they are, it just wasn't ready yet. ARM version has been delayed, uh, primarily I think because they were focused on more on the Surface Pro X, the ARM team, if you will. And so the Intel version is what is av available. Well, is gonna be ready in a year from now. We'll see if ARM uh, catches up, but I do know that they are working on that. So um, there you go. Uh, Bequa says, uh, compared to some other upcoming Intel 10th gen devices in a similar price packet, the Surface Pro 7 and Surface Laptop 3 almost feel a little bit half-hearted from Microsoft in that they still don't have Thunderbolt. Also, now we have seen the Surface Pro 4X form factor and the Pro 7 feels quite dated in design. Do you think they ran out of time to make the new form factor for the Pro 7 or that the Pro 7 may have a shorter life cycle as a result? Um, so couple things there. One, there is a redesign of the Surface Pro 7. I've talked about it before here called Carmel. It was punted until next year. And I, I still firmly believe the reason they did that is Microsoft had so much to announce this year that they were starting to look at the year ahead and be like, what are we going to announce next year? And so they were saving that redesign for next year. Um, it is 
disheartening that there is no Thunderbolt in this generation. I suspect that we will see that eventually arrive when USB uh, 4.0 arrives, which has Thunderbolt basically melted into it or integrated uh, natively. So you don't have to have that additional uh, hardware and all that good stuff on the inside that is on the inside. So you'll get Thunderbolt when USB 4 arrives. Um, so here's the thing with Surface. And I might get some backlash on this, but Surface is not a value proposition, right? You don't buy Surface because it's it's the best value on the market. It, it's never designed for that. You'd buy it because it's typically premium hardware. It's metal finishes. It's a good quality keyboard. It's a good trackpad. But especially when you think of things like the Surface Studio, um, now with the lack of Thunderbolt, um, even when the Surface Book 2 launched a little bit, the specs aren't always bleeding edge, right? They, they lost on that with the Skylake, and so Microsoft has always been a little bit more conservative uh, with the specs on the inside, and they take their sweet time. You also have to remember that Surface, I believe, it's still to this day, like 50% of the revenue comes from the enterprise, not from consumers. So when Microsoft looks at features and all that stuff, they look at what their corporate customers need because that is where they are going to make a good chunk of their money. So, yeah. Um, he, and then he finishes it off. He says, if I want to surface laptop three, 13.5 inch, but now I'm now wondering if it presents a value for money compared to some other Ultrabooks. You can definitely get more laptop for your money from somebody like HP or Dell or whatever. Uh, I, that's a very easy argument to make. You can do that, but it's not, it may not have the same quality as a Surface Book or a Surface Laptop. That, that's kind of what you're paying for. All right, Sydney2k says, hey Brad, given that we have the Surface Neo and Surface Duo launching around Christmas next year, and we also have Xbox Scarlet launching holiday 2020, is it beyond the realm of possibility that the powers will be Microsoft will launch all three devices on the same day or even the same week? That's a tough one. Well, I, I mean, it's not impossible, right? Microsoft could just come out with a massive marketing plan and saying, hey, here's a brand new console. Here's a brand new phone thing. Here's a brand new folding looking thing. Um, it is completely possible. But the reason why I'm hesitating here just, just a little bit is that they're kind of different devices. I could see Neo and Duo launching on the same day, but when it comes to the console, Microsoft isn't going to want to cloud that over and not, not, not cloud up here, but like cloud it over with other marketing things. They want it to stand out on its own and have its best shot of making all the press that it can. So that is the only reason why I could see them not doing it. But I mean, it's going to be a big year next year. I think as you point out those three things, brand new, three brand new pieces of hardware, that, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Uh, and then he also asked a question about how much divisions inside of Microsoft talk because, well, it's a good question because you think about like, is Xbox talking to Windows? Is Windows talking to Office? If this was 2005 to 2010, I would say, well, there's probably a pretty little chance. And as he points out in his question, he says, hey, or is it just like the, the corporate vice president signing off on things? In those years, yeah. Now there is much more crosstalk, if you will. It's still not perfect. Microsoft would love to tell you that it's just one big org marching together, but there's still definitely silos inside of Microsoft and there's still that internal um, marketing orgs competing against others to try to outdo their, their cohorts, if you will. Um, but at the same time, it's just like any large enterprise that yes, there are people working across the, across the valleys and, and helping each other out. Is it as perfect as it should be? No. Is it as seamless as it should be? No, but does it happen? It absolutely does. I mean, you can look at the integration between, uh, like game bar on Xbox, uh, 
and the Windows 10 app, or Windows 10 app. Windows 10 on the desktop and the game bar for Xbox. You can look at that cross um, kind of pollination, if you will, and that's a good example of how all this stuff works together. Um, an old Amiga user says, with regard to cord cutting, have you installed an, an HD antenna? If so, do you have any recommendations with antenna in which uh, integrating into a home network? The streaming service with live TV run a little expensive and leave out PBS. So here's, here's what I have. There's a, a device called an HD home run. It's roughly, I have not the basic one, but not the high-end one. I think it does two streams at one time. Um, there's a model that only does one stream at one time. What it is, is is a, a little black box. I could almost rip it out of my AV cabinet over here. But what it does is you connect an antenna into that box, and then that box connects into your network. And then that they can stream to different apps. There's an app for iOS and Android, and then there's also one for Apple TV. And there's probably one for Roku, I would imagine, but I don't have a Roku to confirm. And what you do is you run your antenna outside, and it connects into this box. It is a great little device. It's about a hundred bucks and it is well worth it. Now, as for which HD antenna does, did I buy? I honestly bought like the $14 um, HD antenna off of Amazon. It is like, just like a white piece of plastic. It's hanging outside and it's nothing special. I think you can definitely overspend on antennas. So my recommendation is, is don't go crazy. You can actually buy them at Home Depot too, not the HD Home Run. You can buy that at Best Buy, the antenna probably too, but uh, eight, Home Depot sells a relatively priced, um, I think it's by RCA antenna that should work just fine. And to your point, they do grab PBS, which is what we use. And I, as a full caveat, I only really watch like football on Sundays and golf um, during the year and then, um, well, Nova occasionally on PBS. So that is what I would recommend is just go grab an HD home run. Um, that'll probably solve a lot of your problems or challenges. I should say Delta Prime says, Hey Brad, before E3, there were rumors that windows game core, a project to get all Xbox games running on a PC. These rumors seem to be based on state of the decay test at E3. We got no announcements of Xbox games running on PC and game core ended up being a tool for developers, uh, to use in development not a magical way to turn your PC into an Xbox. So how did these rumors get so far off track from reality? Also, is there an actual project inside of Microsoft to get uh, Xbox games running on a PC instead of this model we have now, whereas the port to a Microsoft store is required? So here's here's an interesting question. If the, here's a, here's a uh, rhetorical question back to you. If a device is running an AMD CPU, an AMD GPU, RAM, and a solid state drive that are all relatively off the shelf components, what makes it different than a PC? really not a lot. And the fact that actually the current Xbox runs an iteration of Windows 10, we, this rumor, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I wouldn't say just because Microsoft didn't come out at E3 and explicitly say all this stuff um, doesn't mean it's dead. It, it's more related to the next gen console than it is to the current gen console. What Microsoft is doing with GameCore, you're right, it is a developer tool, but that's a very important developer tool to make it easier to build games for both platforms. Really, what I honestly still think is going to happen is that at the end of the day, we will see an Xbox version of a, the PC game will be like an Xbox version, just with minor differences from a developer standpoint. We will see um, how it all shakes out over time, but I wouldn't write this rumor off as being completely dead and, and inaccurate because it didn't come out at E3. This is a much longer play. GameCore, I don't think is even rolled out really wide at all. I'm pretty sure it's related more to next generation development than it is to current generation development. 
So uh, Greg, Edward, Greg Edwards says, I am replacing my aging Jobber Elite Sport earbuds, which are awesome, by the way, and I'm probably going to go with the forthcoming Surface earbuds. Will these be managed like the Surface headphones? So I didn't get a chance to use a, the management application, but I believe we were told that it is the same way that the Surface headphones are um, set up and, and managed, which is through the Cortana and iOS uh, device and, and the Cortana device setup app on windows and the Cortana app on iOS. Um, I noticed the Android compatibility was specifically mentioned at the launch of it, but not so much how they will work with iOS. I'm just curious, uh, whether they have any extended functionality at iOS and do you know if they include any sensors that would allow them to be used as a fitness device? I suspect not, but I thought I'd ask. So here's, here's what I know. One, I've used these surface earbuds. I don't actually have any Microsoft didn't send me any for review and I don't even know if they are out for review, but I'm assuming somebody has them. Um, they fit really well in your ear. They come with, at least we were given an option of three different size kind of ear things that go in there and they fit and they stayed in my ear and they were fine. They sounded good. Um, although I can't be a, a definitive audio test because it was really, really loud where we were. What I can tell you is that it did a good job of blocking out uh, background noise. I don't think there's anything involved that is going to make them specifically designed for fitness. Actually, I don't even know how they would hold up a running. I know the Jabras uh, do pretty well in that regard. So you, you might want to be careful if you think that these are going to work really well on a fitness setup. That being said, I can't holistically just say, hey, these are great on all regards because I don't have a pair personally. That being said, Microsoft typically makes pretty good stuff and you should be happy with them. I'll be actually very curious, Greg, know how they work out for you running, but I don't think there's anything specific in there for health and fitness and anything like that. Granted, they do have the basic controls, right? Tap to advance. You can turn the volume up and down, skip track for previous track, play, pause, all that good stuff. And if you really want to, after you get done at the gym, you can swipe forward to move through PowerPoint slides as you walk into the boardroom. So um, actually, Greg, I'll be very curious to see how they work out for you. Uh, BDSRF says, Hi, Brad. Is the trackpad on the Surface Pro X keyboard bigger than the trackpad on the Surface Pro 7? The Pro 456 trackpad is too small. Um, I'm trying to look here at, I've got a Surface Pro 6 right here. And so without having them side by side, I, I bet that they're roughly about the same. The best and largest trackpad right now is probably on the Surface Book 15 inch, um, which is what I've been using primarily as my daily driver, aside from this podcast. The only reason I don't use it on this podcast, guys, is that it's black. And so you can see here, it's real easy to see this laptop and it doesn't kind of hide or mask or, or screw up the coloring. If I use this guy, like it's just, just this black hole um, and it, it really kind of screws up the camera and the lighting in here, which I am, I, I'm still not happy with the lighting in here, but it's getting better. If you want the best trackpad on a, on a Surface product, get a Surface Laptop 3. I think you'll be better or more happy with that trackpad than a Pro 7. I, know, I understand that the Pro form factor has a lot of fans and I totally get why. Um, personally too, I don't know if I, I have a tough time recommending the pro seven right now, primarily because there's not a whole lot different about it. Like if you are looking to buy a surface pro, I would be, keep my eyes peeled for a really good deal of an, on a surface pro six here, uh, coming out because you can still get a quad core processor in that device, which is the key for longevity. And then I would wait until next year and then get the redesigned device because what's going to happen is you're going to buy a surface pro seven this year and the next year they're going to come out with the redesign which is going to look closer to a surface pro x and then all of a sudden you're going to be like oh this thing looks really old why am i why am i keeping this thing at least that's how i would think about it anyways 
I would personally recommend a Surface Pro 6 before uh, something else. Uh, Mad Thinus says, assigning personalities to Mixer, do you think this is going to get Mixer where it needs to be? Are they going to address the quality of the video feed? It was noticeably worse compared to Twitch. So, um, I don't quite know. I Here's the thing that frustrates me about Microsoft. Microsoft is really good at making these big moves and then they just kind of like don't, they, to your point, they need to make Mixer a better product than Twitch. Twitch has, uh, to your point, really high quality streaming. Um, Mixer has some unique functionality with gems and, and other ways you can interact with the streamer. I just hope that, here. here's what I hope. I hope that Microsoft takes Mixer seriously and isn't just signing personalities, but is also making investments on the back end to make the application and product and service better. Because just bringing on personalities is not going to make Twitch or Mixer uh, beat Twitch. Twitch has a, a very entrenched audience, has a very large user base. Microsoft is making some good moves, but they need to go all in and really start supporting Mixer and, and delivering updates and features and services that are going to help it move past Twitch. That's their only way they're going to win. If they get stagnant for any amount of time, that's going to be a problem. And then his other question is, is, what are your thoughts on Mike Ibarra joining Blizzard? So now we know where he landed. He left uh, Xbox after 20 years and he's a, like a corporate vice president or he's pretty high up on that Blizzard org chart. Well, he joins the company at a time where, <laughs> to put it lightly, there's some political things going on. They've made some interesting decisions uh, lately about what they're doing with some of their conferences. And so I wish him the best. I. I don't know enough about Blizzard's corporate structure, if like if this is a good move or a bad move. It's in the gaming industry, so it, it makes sense that he went from Xbox to there, and I wish him the best of luck. I hope that uh, I hope that he does well in anything that he does. Will says, have you heard anything about Microsoft moving the Xbox platform from the current Windows 10 OS to Windows 10 X Lite OS that will be built specifically for Xbox, either in current hardware or the upcoming release? So Microsoft right now, this kind of goes back to one core where they had this idea that one version of Windows would run on everything and then it would just be finely tuned in, in some other aspects of it. I haven't heard anything about what the next gen OS is going to be running on other than a few minor details, but I still believe it's all going to be Windows based and it's going to be more, I think it's going to be more similar to what we have now than when we made the jump from say like the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One, if that makes sense. Um, I don't think it's going to run light. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think light is on that agenda. Uh, Bish Bash says, with rumors that the PS5's next controller will feature advanced haptic tactile feedback that can uh, simulate the feeling of different textures or things. Uh, where does that leave Microsoft's second-gen Elite controller? So what he's talking about is a sort of customized haptic feedback that makes it easier to tell when you're on a dirt road or a paved road, and it's going to have just more variations, almost kind of like like the newer generation phones versus the old N64 Rumble Pack, if you will remember buying that thing and, and sliding it in there. Um, I don't. It's hard to like. Without having personally used the PS5 controller and seeing how that feels, it's really hard to tell or, or make an educated statement about whether or not this is a big deal. We will see with the next-gen controller what Microsoft has. They could still be including this stuff. We don't quite know. Obviously, the Elite V2 controller is forward compatible with the Scarlet, so if you make that investment of 180 bucks, you will get the longevity out of it. But it, this isn't to say Microsoft couldn't bring that haptic-style feedback to um, their newer controllers. Now, they do have 
a similar style technology but again i haven't i haven't personally used the ps5 one so it's hard to tell if this is just some sort of marketing gimmicky thing or if this is actually a real technology that is going to make a big difference so until i personally get my hands on it it's a little bit hard to say it says we're still about one year out before the next xbox release so maybe next year's controller will launch with the new haptic feedback to counter very possible but then why bother releasing the second gen elite if a more advanced version is coming with the next console well why couldn't there be an elite v3 Right now, Microsoft is going to get a year of mileage out of the existing V2 controller, right? They will be able to use that for a year, and then the new console will launch, and it'll still work. And so there's still a possibility that Microsoft... I don't know why. I don't know why Microsoft wouldn't eventually launch a V3, and this could be a feature that makes it into that. So I wouldn't read that this is the end of the line for the Lee controllers. It's very possible. Um, there you go. And Will R says, hey, Brad, do you know if Microsoft is starting to look... No. Hey, Brad, do you know if Microsoft is going to start taking dark mode more seriously in Windows 10? There's still so much stuff that hasn't been updated to dark mode. It's just not good. This is perfect, Microsoft. Look at Fluent. Microsoft made this big deal about Fluent design language come into everything. And then it's three quarters implemented. Then they started talking about dark mode. And it's kind of like sprinkled about. I don't know. Uh, Microsoft doesn't have a great history when it comes to uh, systematically rolling out design language changes, doing so in a way that makes it um, cohesive across the org. It's, it's a mishmash approach, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So just be happy with what you have, um, because who knows if and when it's coming out until the next design theme comes along, and then people frantically abandon halfway through their projects and then adapt it. Uh, Kadupa says, hey, Brad, two-part question. So yesterday, Mixer signed has, oh, so as of yesterday, Mixer has two of the biggest streamers on their platform, but will they be successful in the long run, though? That is a, that's kind of what I was hitting at earlier. Microsoft has the personalities now. Now they need the infrastructure and technology, which they probably have, the technology side. But they need the platform to be as good and as premier as their, as their um, high-quality streamers to make sure that it has longevity. So we will see, I, we don't fully know. And then it says, will Microsoft, Microsoft throw its cloud weight behind and go after Twitch and the streaming esports tournaments like CSGO? I should hope so. Microsoft has the technology stack to be the premier streamer or platform for, for esports. There's no reason they shouldn't. They have, the, they have diversified cloud assets. They now have Mixer. They now have the personalities. Uh, it's gonna be, honestly just be up to Microsoft's checkbook, whether or not they want to start sponsoring that stuff at a high level. We will see, but that would be a natural place for Microsoft to move. Yoshi says, what are your thoughts on Shroud moving to Mixer? It seems like uh, it seems like Microsoft is giving it all they have to make this platform the place to be. Do you th think it will end up be do you think it will end up paying off for them? Let me put it this way. Do I think it will end up paying off? Will they get the exact amount of dollars they're investing into these guys initially or like tangibly in a way that hits their bank account i don't think so but what they are doing is they're elevating mixer they're even though these guys are paying paid to be there they are elevating the quality of mixer which has um a lot of fringe benefits to it right it, the halo effect of these guys being on there should hopefully increase the overall standing of the platform and so will it pay off for them i hope so because i i don't want mixer to go away personally so there you go uh, Angry Tomato says E3 2020 was just announced. Do you think both next gen consoles will be making big debuts there? 
that it would be the wise place for Microsoft to go after Sony after Sony has their conference. This would allow them to adjust their price or anything else from the PS5. I heard this happen with the PS4 and the Xbox One as PS4 is going to be 500, but then did 400 um, after seeing the Xbox conference. So if I remember correctly, when Microsoft launches a console, I don't know if they actually launch it at E3. I can't remember. I thought that they typically had a separate event specifically for the console. And then at E3, they would go in and reveal like the rest of the details and all that stuff. Um, the pricing stuff is really dicey because that quite literally can be changed five minutes after. Now, they are going to build business models around pricing at different price points. They know that if, if they have a console at 500, they're going to sell roughly X amount. If they put it at 400, they'll sell X amount more than at 500. So uh, pricing stuff, it, it's tough. I expect these things to be around the traditional, um, somewhere between four and 500 bucks at launch. That is my estimate there um we will see what happens um we've got exo event coming up here and these lockhart rumors still keep circling around um i've heard a lot of different noise that lockhart may not be dead we will see um what what truly transpires when all this stuff shakes out but uh yeah i don't know that's a good question definitely i think we'll see the consoles next year at e3 it'd be surprising not to considering we've heard about it for like what that'll be like three years now we've heard uh, about the next generation stuff, right? Remember they initially announced that we're working on consoles and then they said last year, hey, it's just Scarlet. And then now, uh, and then next year, they will probably officially reveal most of the stuff. I bet they'll hold some of it back until like October or whatever. They'll do an, a nice slow drip, if you will, of the next generation uh, Scarlet console. And so there you go, guys. Um, that wraps it up for this week. Loved all the questions. Some of them get me on my toes, which is always fun. And as always, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.